1: And in a world which tries to get us to focus on us, we're reminded that when we come before God, we really do need to know it's all about Him. We humble ourselves in His presence. That's a hard prayer to pray, isn't it? Lord, make me humble. He has a way of doing that whether we pray it or not. Do me a favor and take your copy of God's Word and turn in the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew, to chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 is where you'll find our scriptural text for our time together this morning. Also find something that you can record what God is teaching you during this time, whether it's a piece of paper or electronic device. Find something you can use to help God just imprint on your heart those things That He is teaching you. As you're finding those places, I would encourage you to be aware of a couple of things in the life of our church family. The first one is this. Next week is Easter. Are you aware of that? I hope that you're looking around your corner of the world and seeing who you might invite to be a part of our Easter celebration. And we've got a lot of them, and that leads me to the first thing I want you to know, which is that next week we begin an eight o'clock chapel service. This is a service that'll take place in what was the first worship center of this church. We're calling it our chapel. Uh, We've been doing some work in there. That'll be a service that is a hymn-based service. It'll take place from eight to about nine o'clock prior to this service. We're going to do that throughout the month of uh, May after Easter uh, to see if that scratches an itch for people in our community, and we would encourage you to let others know about that as well. The one exception to that time in May is the second thing I want you to know about, which is on May 19th, we're having a big day of celebration as a church. It's our anniversary celebration, celebrating 60 years in this community as a church. Isn't that cool? So as we look forward to that day, we want you to be thinking about who you might invite, and we're going to do something unique and unusual, recognizing that people like options. We have several different times for our services, but on that day, on all three campuses, we're only having one service, and that is a 10 a.m. service right here in this room. All three campuses will come together, hopefully to pack out this room and worship and celebrate what God is doing what he has done, and what we believe he is going to do. But today, we're talking about miracles. I hope you've enjoyed our time just looking at the miracles of Jesus. Sometimes I like to give you resources that may be an encouragement to you. A classic resource on this study is from C.S. Lewis. It's a little book just entitled Miracles, a preliminary study, he calls it. And C.S. Lewis, of course, a great writer, theologian, apologist, And he gives us a great resource there on miracles. But I want to ask you a question. Why do you think we called this series Mountains Move? Why was that the choice for this series? The answer is simple. It comes from a verse in the Bible. You might be familiar with this verse. It's Matthew 17, 20. It says, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed... You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Just think about that last phrase, nothing will be impossible for you. Do you still believe that's true? Do you believe that it's possible for God to give you faith? That allows you to accomplish anything and everything that is within his will for your life. We sang a song as we began worship. that had these words. Heaven thundered and the world was born. Life begins and ends in the dust you formed. Faith commanded and the mountains moved. Fear is losing ground to our hope to you. Unstoppable God. Let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Do do you believe that our God really is unstoppable and that he's still doing the impossible and that he, through our faith, can accomplish great things? The context for our teaching today is from Matthew 17. In Matthew 17, there are three miracles. We're going to focus on one of those, but let me tell you about the other two. The first is is taking place on what is called the Mount of Transfiguration. This is the place where Jesus went up with three of the disciples and uh, he encountered this great word from God the Father who said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You remember the story, those disciples wanted to stay up on that Mount of Transfiguration. That was a good place and can we blame them? You're there in the presence of the holiness of God in, in a way that has never been experienced. Why would you want to come down? And so they asked Jesus to build a tabernacle there so they could stay. And and he said, no. Because as you're going to see, while life has the mountaintop experiences, most often we live through the difficult days of the valley, don't we? You're going to then see the miracle we're going to talk about today. But at the end, I think this is so funny, uh, that there's the only miracle that Jesus... Performed that seemed to benefit himself. Because some people came to him and said, Hey, is this teacher not going to pay taxes? And the reason I think it's very funny is because does anyone know what tomorrow is? It's tax day. And so apparently it was tax day in Matthew 17. And, and so they came to Jesus and said, hey, you're, you're not going to pay taxes. And you remember the story? Jesus told Peter to go out and catch the first fish he could, and when he caught the fish to open his mouth and in the In the mouth of the fish is the coin that he would use to pay his taxes. So some of you, the first thing you need to do today when you leave is go fishing. But we're focusing on the middle miracle. And I want you to see the contrast from the mountaintop experience on the Mount of Transfiguration to the Valley Low. It's from the mountains of glory, if you will, to the valleys of gore. This miracle is also recorded in Mark chapter 9 and in Luke chapter 9. Herbert Locklear wrote this about this miracle. Jesus came from communion with his father to contact with the devil. On the mount we see the king in his supernatural splendor. Below we have disciples baffled and beaten. Heavenly beings above, demons and unbelieving disciples below. Below. As I studied this, I thought about the many reasons this passage of Scripture is applicable for us. Most of us who've gathered here profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, and and there are a number of reasons this is applicable to Christ followers. For example, we too face transitions in life, don't we? Those transitions from the mountaintop experiences to the valley discouragements. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced some of those valley moments, the discouraging times in life. That's going to be all of us, so we can learn from this. We also, too, as the disciples will today, we wonder why we don't see God do what we know he can do. So this may take a little more honesty and vulnerability in your part, but I want you to raise your hand if you've ever wondered that. God, why aren't you doing what I believe and know that you can do right now in this moment? Have you ever wondered that? whether that's a healing miracle or whatever it may be, we too battle with belief. We pray the prayer that we're going to find in Mark's account of this miracle, the prayer of the Father who needed the miracle of the Son. Do you remember what the prayer was? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So we too struggle with that kind of belief. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to pray right now and ask God to use this time to help us in this area of our life, to help us grow our faith for his glory. So let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into this room having worshiped you, Jesus, lifting you up even through the reading of your word. Acknowledging your power and the supernatural abilities that you possess. And asking, Lord, do it again. What we're really asking, Lord, is that you would again speak into our lives as you did the disciples on this day. Challenge our faith and grow it for your glory. God, teach us those things we don't yet know. Give us those things we don't yet have. Change us into men and women, boys and girls that we've not yet become for your glory. God, we don't want to walk away the same. We want to walk away different today for your glory. So give us eyes and ears that hear and a mind receptive and a will willing to do whatever it is you ask us to do. And Lord, I I pray that my words and thoughts in these next few minutes, so easily distracted, so prone to wander from your will, I I pray that I would be the messenger that you need and desire in this hour. That I would be pleasing to you for your glory. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So really, this is a one-point message. So I think you're going to get it. At least you may remember it, whether or not you get it. And here it is. I said it a moment ago. God, grow my faith for your glory. Say that together with me. Let's go. God, grow my faith for your glory. We're going to see that lived out by the disciples in Matthew 17, beginning in verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And there's a couple of things before I continue reading this that I want you to see that are principles I think we can transfer and apply to our prayer life. First, in the presence of Jesus, he was drawn to kneel. Now, why is that? It's because of the need to show humility in in the presence of divinity. And in a world in which so much about what we do tries to get us to focus on us, we're reminded that when we come before God, we really do need to know it's all about Him. We humble ourselves in His presence That's a hard prayer to pray, isn't it? Lord, make me humble. (laughs) He has a way of doing that whether we pray it or not. Second thing about prayer is that he was very specific in his request to Jesus. In fact, as we see in the other gospels in the book of Mark, we even know more details about this man's son. And when you pray, I want to challenge you to pray specifically. We need to confess our sins specifically when we pray, but we also need to make our requests known to God specifically. It's not because God doesn't know these things, but it's because it allows us to put before Him the specific way in which we ask Him to work. It continues in verse 16. We see His problem. And I brought Him to your disciples, and they could not heal Him. So actually the man had already taken his son to the disciples for healing while Jesus and three of the disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration. And yet the nine could not do what was necessary. And Jesus answered. And this is interesting because we don't know whether he's speaking just to the disciples, whether he's speaking to this man, or whether he's speaking to the crowd. And I think the answer is yes. Sometimes in scripture, it's hard to distinguish between the disciples and the crowd Sometime in our day, it's hard to distinguish between the disciples and the
0: crowd, isn't it? If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at missionhillchurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at missionhillchurch.com. And now, with more of today's message... Here's
1: Pastor Paul Purvis. He says, "O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Now, if you're just reading this, and this is all you know about this story, you're kind of surprised because all we had heard is that the boy was epileptic. In Mark's account, in the entrance to this story, we see the man tell Jesus that he was demon-possessed, causing him to be epileptic, to have seizures. And so Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out. The boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, wait a second, why could we not cast it out? And he answered, he said to them, because of your little faith, say little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will will be impossible for you. Now, we've already established that as we walk through life, we encounter seemingly impossible situations. We encounter those moments that we think, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to go forward? How how do I walk through life in this new normal? And that was what was taking place in the life of this father, a desperate, desperate, or even despondent man. A man who says to Jesus, My son is so sick. In Mark, he says he's demon possessed and it's causing these epileptic seizures. And when he has these seizures, they, they come on whenever they come on and he begins to writhe and, and throw himself all over the ground. And sometimes there's a fire nearby and, and so he falls into the fire. Sometimes there's a pool nearby and he falls into the pool and he risks drowning. He probably has scars all over his body from the falls and the fire. It was a tough situation. And I'm reminded that Jesus still loves showing up in the midst of our mess. He's not intimidated by your tough situations. He descended the mountain of transfiguration, the very same reason for which he descended the stairway from heaven, and the same reason he's here with us today. God loves us. And he offers the help and the hope that we need in the valley of despair. Hold on to that truth. God loves you. And he desires the op- to offer the help and the hope that you need, even in life's valleys of despair. Say this: say, God loves me. What are some of those seemingly impossible situations in your life today? Maybe it's relationships. Do you have any relationships that just seem to need that miracle touch from God? Maybe it's physical healing. And you're just crying out to God to do what only He can do. Maybe it's provision in your life, or perhaps there is a spiritual condition. You feel as if, as the old country preachers would say, you're fighting hell by the acre you're in hand-to-hand combat with the demonic and you're overwhelmed. I want to remind you, God loves you and he offers you help and hope. So I want to drill this down right now. While you've got that moment fresh in your mind, I want us to pray again and just ask God to make his love tangibly present. Would you bow your heads with me? I want you just to think about that seemingly impossible situation. And with your heads bowed, I wonder if you would just, right in front of you, just outstretch your open palms before the Lord, just symbolically to say, God, my hands are open. I I want you to take this situation, I I want you to take what to me seems impossible. And I want you to imagine that with those hands outstretched, God will also just come in around you and hug on you and love on you and tell you that he's here with help and hope, even in what seems like your valley of despair. Oh, God. We know you love us. We know oh God, that you are love, Jesus, we know that love is the motivating factor for which you came and for which you died. And I ask for my brothers and sisters in Christ, some in need of your assistance in divine, miraculous ways, with their outstretched hands before you, would you surround them with your outstretched arms of love? And in an as tangible way as could be felt on this morning, may you let them know that you are here in this place as the miracle working God. And I thank you for this in the name of Jesus, amen. Sometimes we fail to see God do what we know he can do. Many of you joined me in raising your hands when I asked you if that's ever happened to you a moment ago. I can think of many times in my life, times I prayed perhaps for God to save a person's life, praying in faith, believing that he still can do that, knowing that those people would give God glory and that did not seem to be his will praying that God would provide healing during a life that has brought pain, praying that God would provide miraculously for provision at different moments and it not seeming to be in his will. We've all had times when we feel like God hasn't done what we know he can do. And that's what was going on in this story as well, because in verse 16, the man had come forward in faith to the disciples of Jesus, and he had done what he thought needed to be done. He had brought his son to those who could provide the healing and the care. What happened? You can't fully understand this story if you don't recognize from scripture that Jesus had already given the disciples the authority and the power to do what was necessary in this moment. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse eight, Jesus is sending out the disciples, and this is what he says to them. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That's a pretty good scope of power, isn't it? (laughs) They had a lot of ability and authority in the power of Jesus. And guess what? We also know that they had been successful. So there had been time prior to this where they had done what Jesus told them to do. Mark chapter 6 verse 13 records this. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. What changed? It wasn't the presence of Jesus. That wasn't necessary for them to do what he had already given them authority to do. What changed is that they were no longer using the authority, the power that Jesus had given them. And that that leads me to remind us that we have to ask, if you are a follower of Christ, we've got to understand God has given you everything you need to face anything you encounter, but you have to utilize the power he's given to you. You won't understand this miracle story in scripture if you don't understand that principle. God in Jesus really has given you everything. Say everything. Everything you need to face anything. Say anything. Anything you'll encounter. But you have to utilize the power that's been made available to you in and through Jesus Christ.
0: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis and outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab.